This is The Think Tank with Dr. Michael Neal, talking about the major political, economic, and social issues of the week. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Most interesting show this week, uh, three long-term uh, journalists from the Phoenix area. Bill Andrus has been on both radio and television for decades. He's been out of, out of media for a while. Al Macias, one of the first guys I ever met in, uh, in Phoenix journalism, uh, was uh, probably at Channel 3, tw- probably at most of the channels, and many years now, and recently retired as news director at KJAZ. And Mary Jo West was the first female uh, uh, television anchor in the Phoenix area. I got that right. I think yes. a lot of people say Arizona, but there was a woman in Tucson, correct? Yeah. yeah, that's right. And, and I do want to start out with Al because we just started reminiscing. I, I, this is my personal uh, comment, on that, which I was excited to have you because we go back further than anybody. 1980, I did was brought in. Uh, to, uh, I, had, I was at ASU and uh, had done a political survey pre-election. And I was the survey was run for two or three weeks before the election, then all night on election night. And I remember you were there and uh, I got an immense amount of training. They pointed the camera at me. They said, talk to the person who's asking the question, turn your head and then talk to the camera. That was the extent of my extensive training. Uh, it, it was about equivalent to the to what I have here. Here they don't even let me touch the off on button. That's all taken because sometimes I've I've forgotten when, when I have to do that. But I I don't know if you remember that or not. But I I I, I must confess, yeah. Mike, I do not remember uh-huh. the specific yeah. uh, encounter that we had. But I do remember that election. Uh, it was um, I think that was. I guess actually it would have been my second presidential election in my mm-hmm. in my career, uh, but yeah, it was uh, well, it was and, a big deal. And I will retell you the story I told you just before we started. This was my introduction to the science of election calls on election night. It's about two a.m. There's three or four people in the station left. I figure about six in the audience, which is why he did this. And uh, Barry Goldwater is behind. In the last election he he Bill held Schultz. in, yeah. Bill Schultz is ahead. My former husband ran help run his campaign. That's how I remember. <laughs> and uh, it is uh, they're they're counting the absentee votes, which were counted at the end. And there's not that many of them that at that time because you had to have an excuse to do it. And I looked at the way the numbers were coming in, and I turned to the then news director Cecil Tuck, and I said, "I think Goldwater's going to pull this out." And he said to me. How certain are you? And uh, I made what I described as a Bayesian statistics projection, which is basically a sophisticated wild-ass guess. And I thought for a moment, and I said, 75% sure. Ooh. And he turned to me. And I, when I say 75% as a statistician, I think I'm telling you, or I thought I was saying, I don't know, <laughs> for sure. Because <laughs> I'm saying one chance in four, I'm wrong. He turned to Phil Allen, then the, the anchor, and said, called the election. And I said, fortunately, it turned out to be correct. Uh, but that that was the then science of election polling or, or election projections. That would that became an official Channel 3, the election is called moment, uh, but made me pretty nervous. Yeah, I, I think election nights have probably been nervous for all of us at some point or another. Um, I got, yeah, we've all had some stories where it, 
you know, we stepped out on the ledge, uh, either us or a producer in our ear said, yeah, okay, make the call. And it's like, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. No. The other thing, and this, this is a segue into the, the question of what has changed in, in news. Uh, I was told that uh, now, mind you, I'm coming out of I'm academic. You know, I'm used to 45 minute lectures. Can't do anything less than that. They gave me for a segment to explain a little piece of my poll. They gave me three and a half minutes, <laughs> and I said, "That's not nearly enough. I need you know, give me a show. I got 45. I got a lot to say. I had no no idea what an enormity of time that was. Even back then. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, it's like it's all like yeah. a whole show or something. Uh, Shorter and shorter segments is one of the patterns, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I can remember uh, years ago, sometimes a, a series a series piece could last up to five or six minutes. But boy, uh, then it just got down to like when I went over to three after 10 in New York, uh, they, two minutes was the max of what we They had an absolute do. limit. That's Yes, for most of the stories, mm-hmm. absolutely, except maybe an investigative piece once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even over, uh, you know, where I just left, as you mentioned, KJZZ, our, our features were running three and a half, capped out at about four and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, once in a while, you could do something extensive where it would go into the five, six, seven, but uh, our, our standard feature length piece was was probably in the three to four minute range. Um, and I think by most radio standards, that's probably still fairly lengthy in this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something special. Yeah. Bill, what's your, what's your experience with that? I do see that uh, segments are getting shorter, um, and uh, at least on American television, I watch a lot of uh, the programs on PBS, uh, including the NHK uh, broadcast, which is from Japan, and uh, the German one and the British one, and they have longer segments still. Uh, I think uh, that most American media believes that our attention span has shortened to the point where we can't handle more than 3.5 seconds worth of information. But, uh, you know, last week I saw a piece on NHK, or maybe a couple weeks ago, about uh, Zambia, and it was... 10 minutes long, and there was more information on Zambia in that 10 minutes than I have seen on American television in the last 20 years. I found it fascinating, not just for the content, but for the fact that they were willing to spend that much time going into depth on any subject, let alone a country in Africa that we have very little uh, knowledge of. Yeah, that's a good point, Bill, I th- about that 3.5 seconds. So, But I would... I wonder, and I would speculate that a lot of that is driven by in the internet and social media, because you know every operation, every media operation now has its own social media uh, content that it, it produces. And I know I've heard from you know people at our station and others, you know, you have to have your content you know produced in a way because people are not going to stand there or sit there, whatever they're doing on their phone and their laptop. And read a a five minute story. They right. want to read something very quickly, get in and get out. And whether it's get on to the next story or get on to wherever else they're going, uh, so I think some of that has affected the way that you know television news is produced. I think most newspaper pieces are they not written that way, so that you you can stop at any point. Mm-hmm. It, it put the important stuff first, and then oh, yeah. and, and, and you can stop at any point if you feel like you've gotten the gist of it or don't need more. I was shocked to watch ABC Network News the other night. David Muir, correct, mm-hmm. and uh, 
the pieces on the network news now, the a la former Cron- Cronkite kind of piece, they are so short. I was shocked. And I think you're right, Al. It's all about the attention span of the viewer who will turn away and start reading something else. Yeah. I mean, you may. Oh, I'm sorry, Bill. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's kind of chicken or the egg. Um, we keep hearing that the American attention span is shortening, and therefore TV stories have to be shorter. And at the same time, we're making TV stories shorter and catering to a shortened attention span. And I think people uh, lose interest more easily because they are conditioned to lose interest more more quickly. Um, you know, it's, it's always our top story tonight, hey, a dog with a fuzzy tail. And, you know, we all of a sudden we're off uh, uh, chasing chasing a rabbit or, you know, it's 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 set up so that it caters to an ever shortening attention span. If um, you know, and there are times when I will spend a half an hour or or longer reading stories on the Internet or uh, looking at things that are deeper than just the uh, cancer cure it kinds of, uh, you know, journalism that, that uh, we have today. There, there is still a market for information, and to always blame uh, our shortening attention span on our lack of interest, I think, is, is a little bit of misdirection. Um, you know, we can't have a half-hour TV news show without 18 minutes of commercials that you have to work in. So how do you cover the, the, the entire world in 12 minutes of news? You know, it's just, it's, it's not possible. And I think a lot of it, uh, the paradigm is that advertising is more important or as important, I'll say more important, than the content of the program. They want our advertising dollars. Speaking of commercials, we're going to do a couple right now, (laughs) and then we will return with Bill Andrus, Al Macias, and Mary Jo West in the Think Tank. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We're back with Bill Andrus, Mary Jo West, and Al Macias, who had a comment on Bill's last comment. Yeah, people would be who know me would be shocked that I have a comment. Uh, um, well, <laughs> Bill's point was he was talking about you know the uh, shortened attention span uh, and how that's led to changes in, in news and, mm-hmm. and broadcast coverage. I would say that it's possibly a response also to the audience, the the you know the teenagers, the twenty, thirty, four year olds now who have grown up with an internet. You know, it didn't. There, there was no internet when we were around early, uh, and so now these people expect to have their news quickly. Uh, they have a buffet of sources that they can use, and so if they're going to watch television, and if you're broadcasting, you know, maybe NHK can or somebody can afford to do a ten minute spot, but if you're a local television station, you are. You need those advertising dollars, and you get those advertising dollars based on your ratings. And you I, have to broadcast, not narrowcast. Yes. Yeah. That's also that's also an interesting term now in this day and age where there's whatever. I mean, I think there were four stations when I started that were doing television news. Right. Now, now, at in this NPR, market, you have a little bit, I would assume, a little bit of buffering from that. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, they don't have advertisers. They have underwriters. Uh, but I mean in terms of your ability, if you have something that's good to, and it's a little longer, a little not, not necessarily appeal to the same audience, are you a little bit insulated from the commercial pressures? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, because we don't. I don't think we have that. You don't draw. You're not not being quite as driven by ratings. Is yes, kind of what I mean. exactly. Yeah, not. Yeah, I mean, we still have our limits. I mean, we have sure. certain you know uh, formats. Okay, the you know what we would call a wrap has to be forty five seconds, but that's just so we can fit it in the time slot uh, mm-hmm. that we have uh, the features as I mentioned, mm-hmm. three to four minutes. Then we have other pieces. Um, so yeah, there there is that, but it, it is not as as ratings sensitive. Uh, I mm-hmm. guess to your point, yeah, yeah, you're not next 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 month's revenues are not tied to no yeah yesterday's ratings exactly yeah. Question for you, Mary Jo. Uh, there's a phrase that is well known in newsrooms, maybe not as well known outside. Uh, if it bleeds, it leads. <laughs> you want to explain that? And is that true? I think it's true, especially in our local market. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that's how I feel about whether it's an accident or a fire, uh, that kind of thing. And yes, I, it, it does. And especially, I also feel that it trumps, I, no, sorry about that, well, you no. know uh, what I mean, anything that has to do with government or issues, international news, it, I believe it's true. Mm-hmm. I, my reaction, I don't need to – another fire or another – unless unless uh, somebody had a building and they bribed a city official and uh, got exempt from the fire code or, or they slid on an inspection. To me, that's, that's a news story, whereas there's a random fire, random accident, no matter how bad, it's, it doesn't tell me anything about the world in which I live. But because – and Al was there and we were there – when uh, you know film gave way to tape and that gave mm-hmm. way to satellite trucks and all that, because they've got pictures of it – Live yeah. pictures, they feel it should lead. And, and, and brought up my also pet peeve, which was the enormous budgets that television I – don't, I don't know they do this quite as much anymore, but the budget for the helicopter. Oh, yes. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. and there are most stations – I don't know if they still have helicopters, but they're using drones now, mm-hmm. yes. which are, you know, we've at all least, got cell phones. At, at least of, cheaper. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, if you have to go to, you know, a, there's a story of there's a forest fire or something, even then, they can take a crew and fly it out to the edge of the fire. Uh, and as long as they're not interfering with the Forest Service and the firefighters, they can still use their drones, which is a lot cheaper than paying. I, I, well, the last time I was at TV Newsroom, I think it was like $500 an hour to run a helicopter. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, yeah. Uh, I mean, at a time that, that graded at a time when there's cutbacks in the newsroom. Yeah. I mean, and, and technology has certainly made things a lot easier. I, I know I pass by Channel 15, and I see their satellite truck parked in there, and I don't know if anybody uses a satellite truck anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, along, to follow up on your point, it went to film, the tape, to satellite trucks, to cell phones. People broadcast off their phones now. Yeah, right. I mean, you see all these lives out of Ukraine and, and the rest of the world, and I remember when we first started seeing them, and there'd be this horrible delay, and we'd go, oh, good. Mm. Now, <laughs> you know, they're doing it off of a laptop. And interestingly, I think cell phones... That- have, have contributed to this, but uh, the demand for production quality has gone down to the point totally. where a Zoom call is okay Absolutely. because it ha- it sort of says immediacy, whereas 10 years ago that might have said low quality, might have been the characteristic of a, of a low budget. Po- Not low anymore. Powers. No. Not yeah. anymore. And I think two things happened. Absolutely happen. true. Um, if you look at, uh, I mean, back in the day when I was working at Channel 12, um, we would never... Um, have an interview with a jump cut in it. In other words, oh my uh, somebody is, is saying something and there's an obvious, <laughs> visible edit in it. That happens all the time now. Um, and 
we're seeing a lot more uh, content from outside the newsroom. It used to be that unless we shot it, mm-hmm. we weren't going to air it. And now you see, uh, you know, uh, TV stations are begging their viewers, send us your pictures of the snow, or, or they're running video news releases, which was completely verboten back Absolutely. in the day. And you always know that's going to happen when you see a story that now Mountain Dew for your dog, and there's <laughs> oh. some sort of a, a, a feature that's been put together by a public relations agency uh, that, you know, the local station didn't produce or didn't have anything to do with. More of that kind of news is being generated by public relations, uh, and they provide the source, uh, sources to the reporters. They send video. They send sound bites. They give uh, uh, points of view, and TV stations rely on that now. Whereas back in in you know twenty years ago, thirty years ago, that would never have happened. Uh, the other thing that I and I'll go to Alice again. Mm-hmm. My favorite. Uh, on these type of so you're interviewing a Zoom call with a, some obviously very important person, and then his two year old walks in, <laughs> and that is the most that ends up being the most viewed thing they've ever. Well, yeah. there, there, to, I think there are two things that happen, and I think it's been very um, apparent lately is is COVID. Now we emptied our newsroom in a week, wow. um, and everybody went remote. Our hosts were working; most of our hosts were working remotely. Our reporters were doing, and the technology also improved with Zoom or whatever other. There's half a dozen different formats that allowed reporters and people to do, and it was quality video. But yes, the standards came down because they had to, because people were isolated; they weren't running around the streets with their cameras and microphones. Uh, so that had, I think, that's had a tremendous but impact. I'd add, I'd, I see that, and we're going to break here in just a second. I don't see that as a drop in the quality of the news. It might even increase it because you can now pull somebody from anywhere in the world. Yes. You're not limited mm-hmm. by time and space. If the the uh, resolution of the picture is a little less, so what? Yeah. The important thing is the story and who you can get to tell the story being. In, you know, you're not limited. And the audience but, understood it and accepted it. Yeah, which is yeah. A, which a big change. We'll yeah. be back in a moment talking old-time news with Mary Jo West, Al Macias, and Bill Anders when we return after the break in the Think Tank. The Think Tank. KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We're back. Bill Andrus, Al Macias, Mary Jo West talking uh, the evolution of news in the local and national context. Uh, Bill, uh, I think what most of us would, would agree. What are the big changes in news happened with the advent of CNN, and which is kind of a synonym for 24-hour news, which I remember when that started and everybody said 24-hour, nobody, nobody's going to be interested. That will never fly. Yeah, the 24-hour news cycle, I think, is a function of uh, the uh, smaller staff filling more time with less news. Um, yeah, CNN started it, and then all the local stations, or, you know, stations across the country saw, hey, this is a whole lot cheaper uh, than buying syndicated programming. Uh, let's just have news on all the time. And so what ends up happening is you get the same stories repeated all day long. You watch the morning news on CBS and you'll see the same stories in the evening. Um, The other thing that happens is somebody is selecting those stories to repeat. Uh, They're saying, okay, these are the top stories of the day. And a lot of times that's based on the station's slant or their point of view. 
And we also see uh, a lot of these programs, instead of out having uh, reporters and journalists all over the place combing the country for stories, uh, it's replaced by opinions. We get a panel of experts sitting on uh, TV to offer their opinion. Uh, why do you think he shot the man? And, and, and then they opine. Uh, and that opinion has replaced news in a lot of ways. And uh, it's, it's one side of an opinion oftentimes. And Mary Jo, maybe you can talk about the the fairness doctrine, how the repeal of the fairness doctrine has set yes. us up for having one-sided uh, news or one-sided broadcasts all the time. That's right. In the late 80s, President Reagan repealed the fairness doctrine. And, and to our listeners, the fairness doctrine meant that if, if you did a story, you had to have equal time for each side. And once that went away, uh, the kinds of people, like you were saying, Rush Limbaugh and some other folks stepped in and it all changed. So I, I, the reason that I got my job, my big job uh, years ago at Channel 10 was because of the Fairness Doctrine. Uh, Channel 10 did a story on John Rhodes, the famous congressman. But there was an upstart uh, candidate named Pat Fullenwider who just pitched a fit. And so she demanded a half-hour show. I was at Channel 8. They chose me to be the host. It aired at midnight. And someone saw my work, and the rest is history, and I became our city's first anchorwoman. But no, the Fairness Doctrine is dead. What A question about that to both of you. Here, the fairness sometimes to me gets interpreted well both sides assuming there's two i, I say you know sometimes there's many sides yes sometimes Good sometimes point. there's really only one responsible side and then there's the, right. the nut version the, right truth in the middle maybe yeah. well maybe <laughs> maybe I mean, not and, I mean, and to that point fairness means you know res- you know you don't have to give both sides equal weight mm-hmm. you know if somebody wants to come on and say the earth is flat okay they can say it but they don't have to get, you know, if, if the, it's a three-minute story and you're talking to, mm-hmm. you know, NASA scientists mm-hmm. about it, and they, you know, the, the, the flat earther doesn't have to get the same time as the NASA scientist. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to Bill's point, one thing I would, um, and, and it's not the first time Bill and I have disagreed over our years, uh, <laughs> is that I think that that panel of experts and the arguing, the crosstalk mm-hmm. and the, uh, that you see a lots of times on, on uh, cable TV I think that colors the impression that a lot of people have about local TV. I mean, I think our local uh, local news folks, uh, I think they're doing as honest and, and, and fair a job as as they can. Yes. Uh, I, I don't limited uh, staff too. Yeah, yeah, but I don't. You don't see. I mean, there may be an opinion show which is uh, labeled such, and you mm-hmm. understand that it's a it's a discussion of opinions and different points of view. But on your morning or daily newscast, I don't think. You see that that you know what I would call that CNN gaggle where there's you know it's how many people can they put on a screen and have them all yell? Uh, I, I don't yeah. I don't see that locally, but I think people get the impression when they see that that that's what's happening at the local well, level. That, that begets a question I'd love to ask all of you individually, and that is to deal with the question I hear all the time. Well. The, the station, do they, uh, you know, do they push, a, you know, they have a perspective. Do they push individual reporters uh, to have a, a particular point of view or slant on thing? And Al, you can answer that from both perspectives, having been uh, having been both a reporter and a news director. Yeah. Now, I will couch it by saying that 
it did not happen in my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, sure, advertisers uh, I know would try and lean on a on a station management about they were upset about a story that was done, but I never had experience where an advertiser was able to influence or, or change the direction of a story. Um, I was fortunate in with my station managers um, that there was always that that separation, that wall. Um, and as a news director at, at KJCZ, uh, no, that did not happen either. I and, can't say. Yeah. yeah. And in my case, similar to the years we were on the air with Al Macias, um, we did a story on a certain car dealership at Channel 10, and this car dealership was the biggest supporter of advertising at the station, and it was a negative story. And no one called us in and said, you cannot do this story. So I think the public is wrong. I don't know what it is today, but back then, we no one called us in and said, you can't do this. Bill? Um, I... I'm going to take a little bit of a different view, more as a news consumer. Uh, I think what you're saying about the local TV stations is is likely true, that they're not pressured by a particular Ford dealership to not talk about Ford. But at the same time, on the national level, uh, most of what happens is just reinforcement of the status quo. They don't want to offend advertisers. Uh, you, They don't do a whole lot of stories about how cars are bad or gas companies or energy companies or drug companies are gouging us because they run millions of dollars of advertising from those uh, companies. But 60 Minutes uh, does. The magazines ads do. like yeah. Boeing advertising on the Sunday morning talk shows. Boeing isn't advertising hoping you're going to buy a plane. They're paying to get favorable or neutral news coverage out of the national organizations. And I think it happens more on the national level, uh, and I think it's sort of self-policing. It's like the journalists know that they are an arm of the uh, entertainment division, and therefore they know that, gee, it wouldn't be good for us to uh, do this story about uh, that, that car company because they buy so much advertising. Locally, I don't think it happens nearly as much, but I see the, the news on national TV being shaped by that. I, I would say, once again, Bill and I might disagree a bit. Um, I think uh, I would – I don't say that you're wrong, Bill, but I, I would also say that I think the national news, um, they do a, they do cover things. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. The, the big national drug settlement uh, right now over the opioid crisis and the, and the family, uh, at least, and maybe it was just because I tended to listen to NPR more, uh, but I, I, and, you know, and, and some of the national publications post times. Um, I'm not saying they're not susceptible to it. Um, because yeah, they're, it's about getting the advertising. Uh, but I, I, I don't get the sense quite so much that, that they're withholding or, or coloring their coverage based on the advertisers. I, I think journalists are by nature an ornery lot. And if anything came down that said, thou shalt not do this, I think there'd be a temptation to well, do exactly that. And what happened in today, there'd be 17 people who would be tweeting about it about nine mm-hmm. seconds after the internal memo went out. I'll tell my personal, I'm in my 10th year here. Uh, nobody has ever told me that I had to do a story on something Great. or a show on something, nor that I couldn't do something. Mm-hmm. And I remember the con- vividly, I remember the conversation when we were talking about the show in the first, in the first instance with the program manager. And uh, he said one thing. He said, do quality. 
And I had been I had been pitching that oh I you know I understand ratings and what yeah. I've done ratings research. He said no, do quality and don't worry about it. And as a result of that, I have ne- pointedly never asked about that because I don't want to raise the subject. <laughs> but but that's it's it's one instance. But again, this big station. I've been here ten years, but, and, and I think it conforms to what everybody else is and, saying. And, and I do know. I mean, there's uh, I won't name names, but I, I know there are corporate entities out there who own multiple TV stations across the country who do have a political bent, and it's well known. And they have issued edicts and actually editorials for the for their anchors or station management to read at their stations across the country. I find that highly offensive. I do yeah. too. Beyond offensive. Mm-hmm. I know exactly of what but you're throwing. You see the about. same pieces that are running right. all over. But, and for those who criticize, quote, liberal media, no, it, that was coming from the other side. Yeah. But my point being is that I, it never happened to me. Uh, you know, when I was at KJZZ, we're licensed to the county community college district. And we did stories that, that were, tell we say, not positive about the district. I was also fortunate there. It wasn't a, a commercial operation, but nobody ever said a thing to me about what we could or couldn't cover. All right. Well, I, th- I wanted to add something totally different. Uh, I think we need to give a lot of recognition to a man named Ted Turner, the mouth of the South. <laughs> because when CNN started, my boss, I remember uh, Mr. Chauncey at Channel 10 and all the network executives were so arrogant. And they said, this is not going mm-hmm. to work. And do you know about, see, that was 1980. And two years later, I'm at Network News doing an all-night newscast for mm-hmm. for CBS yeah. called Nightwatch. Yep. And yep. then when they started to get respect was in 1991 when the Gulf War happened. And oh, they just incredible. kicked butt yeah. with the networks. I, I so, remember Peter Arnett. Yes. Oh, yeah. Sitting in Baghdad saying, well, a missile just went down, a, down the street here yes. and it took our left at this corner. Yeah. And it was absolutely riveting. We saw a war for the first time in human history. Yes, we did. We saw a war Live. from the perspective of the other side. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So I wanted to say hello out to Ted, even yeah. though he's, he's a bit somewhere controversial. In, somewhere in Montana. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back with Mary Jo West, Al Macias, and Bill Endress when we conclude this segment in the Think Tank. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We are talking news in newsrooms with Bill Anders, Al Macias, and Mary Jo West. One of the biggest trends, I think most of you would agree, has been cuts in the newsroom. Two places that I know that have somehow managed to be exempt from that. Uh, one of them is the the station in which I sit right here. I had a talk with Martha Maurer, our news director, before coming in here. I thought at the time that you, Al, were the only one in town who hadn't experienced uh, cuts, but Martha says, no, we're hiring. Yeah. So... Uh, Actually, Martha and I keep going for the same people when I was I'm sure I'm sure you do. Uh, but, uh, you know, everybody else in town is screaming mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, short staff, not only fewer people, but expected to do a lot more. Yeah. Expected to not only do something for television or radio, but there's a podcast oh, and yeah. a written blurb. And, and I've been told here, for example, a lot of the model of this station is the website. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, how how has that impacted things? If you let's start with Mary Jo, was that when you were around? Was it were the news cuts in? Well, well were there they? were, but I just remember being a lucky person. Our newsrooms were huge. We had many many reporters and uh, many many videographers, and of course. Uh, I even suffered from a news cut, but it wasn't because – well, it was because of money, because a station can hire a younger person 
uh, with less experience with for a lot less money. So the veterans were the ones that went out the door uh, during my day Mm -hmm. because they were making or we were making too much money. I've seen that also at the corporate level. There's a lot of clients that I had. I watched it, and I said they hired the person that really knew what they're doing because they could pull somebody in, give them the same title and half the salary. But in defense of what I just said, of on the other side of it, of management side, they hired me in my mid-20s with mm-hmm. only three years' experience for $12,000 a year as, you know, <laughs> Well, you got 12000 <laughs> Yeah. Did you get seven? <laughs> but you were anchoring. And so Bill, what did you make? <laughs> I got hired at KDKB, and it was a step up. I moved across the country for seventeen grand a year. Wow. That was a lot of money back then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, there have been, it's just, it's really been a transformation too, because, uh, you know, nowadays, because of technology, you you have what they call the backpack journalist or one person uh, journalist. Although I kind of laugh, I was telling a story to somebody the other day. I remember in, early in my career shooting film, running out Me to too. a forest fire, putting the camera on sticks on the, on the tripod, you know, framing it up, and then running around the front. And doing my stand-up mm-hmm. and then, you know, doing everything else and then getting in the car and driving back by myself. It's, but I didn't have to tweet about it. I didn't have to post on Instagram. Right. I didn't have to do a TikTok dance or whatever else I have to do now uh, with all the other responsibilities. It's, I, it's I, I remember different. somebody who sat on the other side of that, uh, you know, camera that they'd send out a, a crew of two people, right? And yes. if it was network, it was three. At least they'd have a sound person. Oh, but you know who sent out a whole crew once? I was on the Daily Show. They sent out. There must have been eight people there. They spent all day in my house shooting stuff. They probably used fourteen seconds. You know that I said, "Wow, this this is just blows away network news." So the three for network, two for local. There was a camera person and and a reporter, and then that became one. The the cameras got smaller and they carried their own. And of course, now that's down to zero because you do it over Zoom. Yeah, and all of those are are budget and and you and you don't have. So what could somebody with a camera driving around do two maybe three uh cuts a day yeah fighting through traffic whereas on zoom you can do a you can do a thing every hour like al he shot his own stuff and my first job in the thomasville tallahassee market i had a little bolex camera but we could only use 100 feet of film uh and that's where i learned to do really quick and fast interviews Mm -hmm. and also i made the biggest mistake in my life it was south georgia and i never forget i shot video excuse me (laughs) i shot film of soybeans instead of peanuts. And I almost, <laughs> almost lost my job. <laughs> you you got to know your audience. Right? But, you know, and I, I do want to throw a bone out there. There are still a lot of places where there are photographers. And I just, on, on CNN uh, the other day, I saw a, a, a tremendous story shot by a, uh, a young man by the name of uh, John Torrigoi, who I used to work mm-hmm. with at 12. Oh. They were under fire. They were catching, as a matter of fact, the, yeah. the reporter and they're, you know, they're running back to their car. Uh, there was two cars. The other car had been hit, so they all had to pile into one van. John's rolling through the whole oh, thing. Oh, um, and it, I mean, I'm a little off topic, but it, it still sticks in my mind that not everybody is doing, you know, one-man bands. Uh, and there's still a tremendous need. And some of those uh, videographers are just doing some and incredible work. Another shout-out to uh, still photography in yeah. Phoenix. Oh, yes. I remember – the incident with the nurses who stood up to this crowd that was demonstrating at the state capitol oh, mm-hmm. that and that picture was so i called it badass nurses was Do we my know title who shot for, that 
I don't, but it's it's known who. Yeah, I, I don't. They did, they did a, a profile of the young lady. Uh, I, I, we had the four of them on the show. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, it was fun. it was hilarious. The thing about it was that one of, they got inundated from people right. all over the world who wanted to interview them, and I had to be screened by one of them's mother. Who happened to be a PR person working for ASU? She took oh. over. Say all everything had to go. So I spent about an hour talking to the mom <laughs> and sort of getting her to okay me as somebody that yeah. could interview the crew. And they were great. I mean, yeah. I just uh, uh, you know, I, so I mean that that the picture captured the yeah. essence of the moment. They had such professional calm about them and the rest of the picture showed you know kind of the world going yeah. crazy with the with the marching and the flags and it just they were stayed and and dignified and it was like everybody else was going nuts and yeah. i thought that captured the moment so perfectly so yeah. shout out and i and i apologize that i don't remember no. the name of the photographer yeah. i'm sure it was somebody at the republic yeah so, it was yeah yeah and while we're giving shouts out, I think that's the plural, um, to uh, organizations and people, I think that the the videographers and, and news photographers who are working in uh, Ukraine are doing a great job. Um, I also want to give a shout out to local media, smaller yes. uh, newspapers. We we don't have as many newspapers in town as we used to. In 1980, there was the Republic, the Gazette, the Scottsdale Progress, the Tribune, all of which have kind of gone away. Way, but the small town papers that serve, um, you know, the, the communities around us, the uh, Pace and Roundup, the Prescott Courier, the Globe, Miami Times, and the Silver Bell, and the Copper Country News, those organizations manage to stay in business mm-hmm. because they are hyper local. They concentrate on their market. They serve their market so well that. Uh, while the big city newspapers are having a tough time, the small market papers are hanging in there, and I think they deserve a shout out. And in the, I'd point out in the last month we we did a show here with three alternative uh, entities: the mm-hmm. Copper, Copper News, the yeah. uh, Arizona Mirror, yeah, and 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 one and I. But but thanks to our producer Brandon, uh, Michael Chow yeah. was the uh, photographer yeah. and deserves an incredible shout out for. Uh, oh, he's amazing! Something yeah. that Go, I thought should have got a Pulitzer. Yeah, yeah. I would uh, also Bill on following up on on all those small uh, publications. I know that as a news director over at, at KJCC, we use those as news sources. Mm-hmm. We would read those. I mean, a lot of, and one of the great papers is the Navajo Times, which mm-hmm. comes out on Thursdays, oh. and I made yeah. a point because they. Did a great job, the uh, Nogales Independent. There's some really good. One of them, I'm sure you've used. What I just remembered, the Center for Investigative Journalism. Oh yeah, absolutely. Which is, uh, you know, is free had freed themselves from the need to do daily stuff, figuring that's covered, and they do in depth stuff that is very very difficult. With the exception of uh, the folks at Channel 15 who've done this wonderful series on uh, politically charged Mm -hmm. that I saw got recognized uh, with uh, Polk the other day and and very much deserved. And I will say that one thing I I would throw it to Mary Jo because uh, we were both in TV about the same time. I think – Nowadays, local media does a lot better job of challenging official voices, whether oh, yes. whether it be government or corporate or whatever. I think in our days, we might have done it. There might be one or two, but where we're not – and I'll use the term aggressive, but I mean it in a positive way, that you know they would challenge – they now challenge and uh, – 
Biscuit being over at 15 is mm-hmm. one, uh, and there are others in, in the market who do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's something that today's media does a better job than we did. We were not as assertive as they are today. <laughs> but uh, when I think of, say, my sister, who is a different political band than I am, she feels that the reporters are too hard on, on certain political candidates, and, and she finds it offensive, where I think the hard questions have to be asked. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, quite honestly, if you're a politician, you can't, you know, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. The bottom line is, and there's a way to answer questions, ask questions, I yes, should say, without way. being rude, but still, you have to ask the questions. And and that's a key, Al. I think that there are a lot more reporters that are interested in if I ask a really provocative question here, then everybody else is going to good point, up Bill. Bill, it, we're, we're going to be on all the other stations too. We're, we're out. Of, we're out of time. I, I want to thank. Uh, Bill Andrus, Mary Jo West, and Al Macias for enlightening us. We'll be back next week in the Think Tank.